You just took that out of my hands. Thank you, Brett. <laughs> All right. This sermon could be a, a sermon for Father's Day, quite honestly. Um, it, it could be a private conversation with a, a troubled dad, maybe even a troubled mom in some instances. Uh, maybe, maybe they're concerned with the relationship between the, the, the husband and the children here. Yet I truly believe that this passage is for anyone who has any kind of responsibility at all toward folks under their care whether that's in a family setting, uh, a job, a step-parent situation, maybe even as it has been in our case, in my home, raising grandsons. Maybe especially now, in this time, in this culture, where fatherhood is no longer deemed necessary except for procreation. Now is the time men need to stand up to the plate and become dads. Fathers, and there is a difference between those two terms. They need to become positive influences uh, to young people that they come in contact with, especially on a day-to-day basis. Today, though, I think I'm preaching to the choir. At least, I hope that I am. I, I, it, it's interesting as well that this passage refers to three generations. Of course, there's Solomon, his father David, and then Solomon's son, whom he is writing this to. Um, It is harped on on gaining wisdom from almost from the very first word of uh, our story or our reading in Proverbs, from Proverbs 1 on up till today. And I think he's saying that he can impart that wisdom because of his father and who, what he did for him, okay? What David did for Solomon. Solomon is now passing that on to his own son. He knows and understands maybe a little bit better than he did when he was young. Uh, all of the information that he got from his father, now he wants his son to benefit from that same teaching. Solomon's father was a positive influence on him. And he is now desiring to be a positive influence on his own son. Look at verses 5 and 7. It's basically the same message. Get wisdom, gain insight. All right, that's the the short version of our passage for this morning. Let's look at this a little bit more in depth. One of the the great things that Solomon perhaps wasn't able to do at at a younger age that, that he could do now when he's a little bit older, was share his life experiences with his son. Oftentimes it takes time to process or even go through the process of understanding what has happened to you in your life. And to be able to understand those things, it may even take years beyond that to be able to decipher them to the point where you can impart wisdom to someone else and and it really mean anything. It, it, it has to sink in, I think, for some of us. For some, it takes longer than others to be able to understand what everything that's happened in your life, how you can use that to benefit other people. Uh, he's able to understand those things maybe years later, but some things are, are, are immediate, okay? Don't touch a hot stove. Seems pretty simple, doesn't it? 
Well, at some point in time, he probably got near a fire or something like that. Now, us, it would be stoves. And you were told, don't, don't touch that. Maybe we don't go in depth. Or maybe we're too young to understand what touching a stove would be all about. Until you do it once and you, you promise yourself right then and there you don't want to ever, ever do that again. But to tell this, this same child as he gets a little bit older and begins to somewhat understand what love is about, let's say. This son or daughter even if you're talking to them. And you tell them, don't marry too early. Marriage is a lifelong and a lifetime Commitment, or it should be at the very least anyway. Yet this is counseling that a father has, has been able to, to help uh, guide their, their children through something like this, or at least be able to give them wisdom from what they have experienced in their times past. But then again, as with most children, they too have to go through some of this to be able to understand what you're trying to tell them. But perhaps that child listens to you and, and uh, avoids making a, a pretty large mistake. And yet, to have an absentee dad try to impart the same kind of wisdom upon their children, especially if they've been married three and four times and are, are known to, to go out partying with women who are not their, their, their spouses, for you, them to be able to say something to their children about Marriage is a lifelong commitment. Do you really think that's going to stick? Do you really think that's going to make any sense at all to that child? Do you really think that they are going to listen to that kind of experience or that kind of advice? I really don't think that they will. This is one of the reasons that I think in our culture today we're experiencing so many divorces so many unhappy young people who, who are afraid to commit to virtually anything in this life. Church attendance or building a faith in Christ being two of the more important things that I think this generation is lacking. It takes having God on, in our lives, dads, to instill that particular wisdom into our own children. Look at the first three verses of our reading for this morning in Proverbs 4. These are encouraging words to children to hear what their elders have to say. Could be a dad, could be a grandfather. Perhaps it's any male who has had a positive influence in your life though. We as the elders of any family, men, are called to be the spiritual heads of our family. We're, we're called to be the stronghold within our family. And in the words that in verse 2 that every child hated, these are, I'm changing this around just a little bit, but basically what he's saying here is what I tell you is going to be for your own good. And normally when I heard those words when I was a kid, it meant that I was not going to be able to do something that I really, really wanted to do. Whether I was going to get in trouble for it or not was irrelevant. But my dad or my mom would say, well, this is for your own good. I knew then I'm dead in the water. <laughs> Notice today, when a father wants to be a child's friend, though, rather than be the dad that they need to be, how oftentimes the young people end up taking needless steps to have to correct their life in some form or another, if they can even get it reset at all. 
Solomon, I think, was proud to have David as his father. We remember David being known as a man after God's own heart. Remember all of David's shortcomings, though, as a man. They're well documented throughout the scriptures, aren't they? Maybe even at times he did not do so well as a king. But you know what? He was still a good father to his son Solomon, and that was the important thing. That's really all that mattered at that particular time. And that's what Solomon saw. That was, that was the important part of it all. Well, what this all tells me is that God believes in fathers. And he's saying here through Solomon and, and through the history with his father that men, after God's own heart, make all the difference in the world in the potential of, of a future father. Okay? Even in one who has been a dad for many years and wants to, to try to redo things with their son and become that positive influence for them. Not just their sons, though, but their daughters as well. And for any others, as we said earlier, that you may have some sort of an influence over in your uh, sphere of life. Now, Malachi 4.6 implies that dads are successful when they turn their hearts to their children. Look at verses 3 and 4 of our reading this morning. When I was young, a son with my father, he taught me to keep his commandments and live. You know why? Because that's what Solomon's dad did for him. I think that perhaps maybe in the first three plus chapters of our Proverbs study so far, they can once again be a great summary of what the first chapters of Proverbs has been about altogether. The things that were taught Solomon were perhaps as a young man, maybe he felt they were unfair. He didn't get to do anything. How many times as, as kids do we ever think about our parents, or did we think about our parents? They won't let me do anything. I can't go anywhere. I can't do anything. I can't do this. I can't do that. All my friends get to go do these things. But I don't. We may have thought they were unfair too, just like perhaps Solomon did as well. Maybe Solomon thought he knew better than his father what was good for him. How many of us have done that? We oftentimes do the same thing, don't we? We're so much smarter than our parents. All you have to do is just ask us, right? We talked a few weeks ago about how we have to deal with whether it, uh, whether it be in school or whether it be in the workplace, maybe on the road, maybe even at home, there are consequences if we have certain laws that we have to abide by. Speeding is no longer one of those laws, just a little side editorial there. But anyway, uh, I digress. Uh, but there, when certain laws or rules of our land are broken, there are consequences that should have to be paid, Right? The product of breaking those rules can be anywhere from a slap on the wrist to the look of disappointment from your mom, I always hated that one, to serious injury to perhaps even death. Listen to the commandments I have given you, Solomon says. I can almost hear David even saying that to his son at a, at a previous time. Spare me the sadness of having to put your life back together. And if we're lucky, mine as well. You ever thought about it that way? 
I guess we didn't when we were kids. That it was your life. You could do anything you wanted to, but you didn't understand the repercussions of, of doing things out of the way of, of what your parents had I've told you not to do. And if there are consequences especially, it goes beyond just you. It goes to your parents as well. And for the, all those who are close to you, who tried to teach you the right and proper ways of doing things, it affects them as well. Now, what would a father get out of seeing his child actually having listened to his father's commandments or his advice? Well, he get joy. Joy knowing that they actually listened to what you said and they respected you enough to follow through with that listening. Joy to know that even things may not always be smooth sailing. A father can know the way that he'll be able to go through things together with their children or with his son especially and knowing that they're going to be okay. Knowing that there's going to be another day to be able to build up that situation once again, that relationship perhaps even once again. There's a peace about that thought. Yet we must remember that there are two imperfect people, at least two, involved in this relationship. So it won't always go the way we think that it ought to. In fact, the sooner we understand that our children are not perfect, the better off we're going to be. When we see our children as the same thing we are, broken jars of clay, we're going to be able to, most times anyway, we're going to be able to cut our children off from so many things that can cause so much harm and pain for all down the road. Sin is very real. Even in our children. And it's in every child that they come in contact with as well. Remember that. Not a single solitary human being on the face of this planet is immune to sin. Going back to the words at the end of this verse 4, keep my commandments and live. We classically think and live would mean to keep that young person alive, right? If they follow what the father taught, they're going to have a better chance of being able to survive almost anything. And if you look at that in the sense of what, if it was God the Father that was saying that to us as his children, we can think of and live meaning living an eternal life, okay? But I think the term and live can also mean keeping that relationship between father and son alive and thriving. There's a mutual trust that has to be developed between the two, I think. So live and, and even love can have a couple of different meanings here, I think. Now, all sons and daughters don't have two parents to look to. Oftentimes, our children, when they only have one parent, they need someone in their life to step up and take a leading, active role in that young person's life to help guide them along the pathways of life. You don't have to be young and, and, and the older father here either. Even someone as old as myself needs to have people to bounce things off of, to talk to, to get guidance from, to set me back in my place when I need it. 
And I, we have that in this church here at Hill City. If you needed it, you could have that vast amount of compassion and knowledge at your disposal as well. They're the elders of this church. I lean on them very heavily. And yes, I am older than all of them. But age has got nothing to do with it, okay? Sometimes I act like I'm five years old up here. They haven't gone that far. They just keep reminding me how old I am. But you know, Chime in about the five-year-old thing anytime you guys want to. That'd be fine with me. But you see, that really doesn't matter, the age part of it. I count on them. I need them to keep me straight, okay? Key thing here about how a child listens to their father is the amount of time you spend with your children. There is a direct relationship with that time and how the closeness that you're going to have with that child as well. And if you want to be the very best father that you can be to your son or to your children, you put God first in your life. Matthew 6.33, Jesus told us to seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and all righteousness and all of these things shall be added unto you. All of these things shall be added. Make him the leader of your life so that you, in turn, can be a good leader for the ones that God has blessed you with. Moms, you're not being left out of this, okay? These words go for you all as well. In fact, everything we have said this morning is to both father and mother. But I'll take you even farther than that, okay? It can be grandparents. You can be included in this. Maybe especially in the Proverbs, wisdom that we are able to gather from here. We can do that for aunts, uncles. We can anybody, Sunday school teacher, whatever it may be. Any person with any age, with any life experience can be a good example, can be a good experience from wisdom and all of that to any child in this church or anywhere else. There has to be a build of trust. But for them to be able to do that, we have to interact with kids. No, oh, doing well today. I'm glad to see, oh, you're growing so much. Now I'm going to go over here and talk to a real adult. No, spend time with the children. Make them a part of, of the church. Make them a part of who we are. They are our brothers and sisters. Little, yes. And yet they are still just as vital, just as important as the oldest person in this congregation, okay? There's another editorial, if you will. One other thing to remember, people of all ages can heed these words. We, we need them on both sides, all right? They're, they're universal. I don't know of a single person in this room that could not get wisdom and advice from someone else in this, in this congregation, Okay? We need each other. We need to be a part of each other. Look at verse 5. We're told to get or gain wisdom. Best thing a father, even a grandfather, can give us a, a son it is wisdom. Moms, put yourself in, play, in this same place with your daughters as well. Two kinds of wisdom, though. First, there is the life experience older folks can give younger people. Nothing beats life experience, except, of course, the second one, maybe more important, godly knowledge and wisdom. But you put the two together, 
and you will have maximum insight and wisdom at your disposal. The earthly father should exemplify God, our heavenly father, and how he loves us. It isn't about the earthly physical things that you can give our children. It's about the spiritual, the emotional, those things which cannot be measured. That is what is most important. So many people will make sure their children get everything that they can have in this life. Cars, phones, technology by the score. They do that because they don't have the time or they don't want to take or make the effort to have a close relationship with their children. Stuff of the world is their equivalent to loving their child. And I can tell you, it will not work. They won't work temporarily. They won't work permanently. And then we act surprised when our children get in trouble. Show them God's love through you. Dads and moms, we are to teach our children to seek your wisdom so that when uh, when the sins and evils of the world, temptation at its greatest degree, looks them square in the eye. And it will. But if you teach them these things, they'll know what to do. And what is that? Run like crazy from it. Say no to it. Pass up the offer to be a part of it. These are experiences that most parents have had themselves. And they know either from falling prey to them or knowing because their parents explained why something shouldn't be done and they didn't do it, they actually listened to their parents. They can pass those uh, experiences on to their own children. Now, I don't have my father to ask about any of these things anymore. My father died a little over 30 years ago. But I did depend on an uncle of mine that I worked for and loved very deeply until he passed away a few years back. But he taught me things such as common sense. Taught me what channel locks were. (laughs) Taught me all kinds of things that would be very valuable in my life on a a day-to-day basis. Taught me how to run a business. As I told you, I I count on on the session here to keep me straight in a lot of cases with church and related things. But much of what I've learned in life, honestly, I had to experience them for myself, good and bad. I've tried to pass those things on to my children and my grandchildren and now even my two great-grandchildren. Some things stuck. Some, for whatever reason, didn't. But I still have people in my life that still teach me. I have some very dear pastor friends that I rely on quite heavily for a lot of things. As I said, I've got the the session here in this church that I rely on and respect greatly for their advice. I want to make sure I do not lose that wisdom or forget that wisdom that's been freely given to me by so many people that I value and respect. We oftentimes do foolish things in our lives or we have foolish thoughts, don't we? Well, if we know they're foolish, then you can go thank someone for teaching you that what you're thinking right then or doing right then was indeed foolish. Huh? You see how simple it is? 
It, 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 it's almost just like there again. It's kind of commonsensical here, but it, it's something as simple as that. Solomon instructs us to get wisdom, to get understanding, and then most especially do not forget these things that we have been taught. Because if we do, chances are at some point in time, we are going to be put into a position that could bring harm to you or someone else um, in that close by you. It's foolishness that brings harm to us and others. Now, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse here, okay? Every time for the last several weeks in, in preaching, it, it's been almost about the same thing. Gaining wisdom, gaining understanding, gaining insight, yada, yada, yada. But you know what? After thinking about this, maybe Solomon felt that way too. I was telling Terry on the way over here, you know, maybe Solomon's son wasn't the brightest bulb on the tree. Or maybe Solomon was just OCD. You know, I really don't know, but you keep, you think about this. The first three plus chapters of, of, of Proverbs has been the same thing over and over again. And yeah, you, know, you have to wonder, maybe Solomon, as he was writing, didn't go, hey. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, there, there has to be something along that line. But at the same time, some of us are a little bit slower than others in terms of picking up stuff, you know. So... We have to be told more than once. Verses 7 and 8 continue to drive this thinking into us, though. And once you get wisdom and understanding, do everything that you possibly can to keep it. It will follow you all the days of your life. And at some point, if you're young enough and you're hearing these words, you will be looked to to give wisdom and understanding, even insight to many things of this life when you're older. You too will learn frustration when you offer some young person your advice and, and they simply refuse to accept it or they choose to forget it or whatever the case may be. As you gain insight and even as you offer it years later though, know that when you do that, the wisdom that we gain or offer is going to uplift us. It's going to be a blessing to us. Okay? We'll gain great satisfaction knowing that by following someone else's advice, it was the right thing to do. If it's done with godly wisdom, know as well, your Father in heaven will be happy with both the one who gave the advice and the one who received it and accepted it. All to God's glory. This is in essence verse 9. It's a beautiful, graceful garland. It was given to the winner of a race. The race in this particular instance, as it is in most instances, will be good versus evil. There's a battle for a person's soul. What makes this so critical is that it may be your child's. Looking at that, at it from that perspective, you will do all that you humanly possibly can to give your child every possible benefit to do what is right. The gratifying thing about this race 
is that if the young person heeds your advice and your insight, if you have imparted godly wisdom to that young person or friend, whatever it may be, you both are going to receive that garland of victory that Solomon talks about here in verse 9. That beautiful crown, as he says at the end of verse 9. We look at Solomon's father, David, and we know that even though he was a man after God's own heart, David sinned. He had his share of it. That's what we are. Sinners, just like David. Even with the rough spots, he was a good example for his son. Will we, can we be the same for our children, our friends, even those who just seek us out for advice. We need more than ever a generation of fathers, grandfathers, moms and grandmothers. We need men and women, positive influences, who will stand up and be examples for our children. All of them. For if we don't, what will the church What will the world look like a generation from now? Let's pray. God, thank you. Again, we're slow learners. We have to hear this over and over again. But we pray, Father, that as we we speak these words of understanding and insight and wisdom week in and week out, we're picking them up. And that we can help our young people, whether young is, is... Someone a day younger than you or maybe just a newborn child. Help us, Lord, to help each other. For that's what we're here for. This is what the church is about. To be family. To be able to to offer insight and advice one to another. So that we may grow together in the spirit, wisdom, and knowledge of your word. And that we might glorify and honor you. Would you bless us to that end? We ask you. In Jesus' name. Amen.